Welcome to the Happy Mindset, episode 109. Today's episode is called Educate the Heart. Today I'm joined by Jennifer Quattrucci. Jennifer is a mother, an author, a teacher, and a fashionista. Today she's on a podcast to talk about education. We explore a few different things. She talks about how she brings in growth mindset into her classroom. She teaches kids. So I'm curious about how we actually, how she's gone about implementing this stuff. How, how do you teach kids a growth mindset way of being and teaching them social emotional intelligence to like what effect that can have and how you go about actually doing it so that's what we cover in the podcast today i really enjoyed talking to her she's very passionate about teaching you can see it's a you can see it's a vocation to her to enjoy talking to her there's also a new feature of the podcast as well uh, it's just to support the podcast if you want to support the podcast you can now buy me a coffee you don't literally buy me a coffee but it's uh it's just a way if you want to give back to the podcast it's on my website happymindset.com there's a little coffee icon there so you can just donate to the podcast if you like the podcast and want to support it that's it so that's it for today hope you enjoyed today's episode and thanks again for listening okay okay so thanks for joining us today jennifer thank you so much for asking me i really appreciate the opportunity i love your show thank you that's my pleasure so my first question for you is who are you and what are you doing in the world today well who am i i'm jennifer <laughs> And, you know, that's a funny question because, um, you know, like really, who am I, what do, do I say my job? Like, would I get actually like a steady paycheck to do or the most important thing being a mom? But um, it's all that. It's all that. It all kind of like kind of intersects, intercepts with each other. <laughs> it all kind of um, connects, you know. Mm. So I, I'm an educator and uh, my whole entire life, I've always wanted to be a teacher, and I identify with that role, teacher, more than more than anything. When I was growing up, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a mom, and of course, you know, as a mom, you're always like you're always guiding and encouraging, and you're teaching. You know, you're still a teacher. And if with the children, I've always taught younger children. It's like still like you're teaching, and you're a mom. It's the nurturing, it's the connecting, it's all of that. So I consider myself a teacher and educator, but I guess maybe more than that, I consider myself a nurturer. Like I want, I want to provide the best opportunities so that people, so that children, people can be their best. Mm -hmm. so, so it's more than just, you know, being a teacher. I want to make a difference. So I've tried to do that for forever, ever since I first got my first job even when I was working at a supermarket like you want to be like nice to the people the the customers that come in the little children that come in the senior citizens you don't want it just to be like you're doing something that doesn't matter so no matter what I did back then when I was you know a, a teenager in high school working at a supermarket or then when I worked in a daycare center there was an there's an annex in a in in a neighborhood in Providence that I worked at and it was in my own neighborhood and it was a lot of inner city a lot of um, troubled children it's like a head start I don't know if you're familiar where you are but um, for disadvantaged children and um, children who would get the support that they need so it was I want to say head start but I want to make it so people understand but it was for inner city underprivileged children children that were at risk so, and then it was like the same thing, whether I was working at the supermarket or whether I was working there at the daycare, I just wanted to make sure that what I was doing was making a difference. And I worked there all through, all through, I worked at the market, I worked at the daycare, and then in college, I did the same thing. I worked at the daycare, the market, I got another job at another preschool, and uh, studying, even when I was in class, in college, like I wanted to be the one to like help others. So, and you know, now that I'm all grown up, I found, uh, I found it to be helpful for me to express myself through writing. I felt like I could impact more in that way. So um, I started a blog years ago, although the blog wasn't for education, it was for something different. Mm -hmm. It was still writing and it was still expressing myself. It was still getting my ideas out there and I really felt I needed that at that time and from then on I've continued it I've changed it I've grown from the blog and the blog has grown and that all led to a book and so I feel like no matter what I do I just 
it's I want I want to say I'm an educator but I just want to say like it's just I just want to make a difference so I don't think there's like a title for that mm, no I like that you remember like when you had that urge to like to teach to, to educate was it very young on like how young are you talking here when you realized that this was for you like a, a teaching pet yep I can remember being very very little in kindergarten just um, reading and reading and reading and I would set all my dolls up in my room and I would read to them and my dad got me a chalkboard and I would write lessons for them it was little and I never lost that wanting to be a te- like it never went away wanting to be a teacher and it was always little kids also I had cousins that were younger than me and so my my mom and her brother are really close and my uh, my uncle my aunt and uncle had little boys, Paul and Michael. So a lot of times, because my parents were so close, my mother and her brother, all of us kids were together, like me and my sister and the boys. We used to call them the boys. And they they were smaller, like maybe um, one six years younger, one four years younger. But young enough so at those ages, you could kind of like, you could guy you could kind of maybe hopefully be like a good role model but mm. we were really close and the same thing with them all through when they were in school I would help them and I, I would just it was like I was like their teacher because like when I was tutoring and reading and I don't know I just felt like I loved having the younger cousins and I just I liked that playing like a like a little mom or like a big sister type of a thing I, I liked mm. it a lot and I always like like just like to be around children okay do you, do you remember when writing came into your life then because today you're a teacher you've written a book you're a writer like what i'm fascinated about you is that you're a teacher and you also do these other things as well which connect to teaching and do you remember when writing came into your life and what changed in your life too when writing started when it became a thing for you well i always did like to write and that was another thing that I just did when I was very, very, very young. My, I learned to read like kind of like in a freakish way, like just weird. I just learned to read really quickly and like people couldn't believe it. And they thought it was weird because I was reading like big chapter books in kindergarten and they couldn't believe it. And the teachers were just like, what? Like when they realized I really could, they, they like, were like, they couldn't understand it. And then they realized I was actually understanding it. But paired with that, reading so young led me to then want to write my own books and stories so young. So I was always writing. Not like I wanted to, like, write. Well, I did when I was reading book about books about kids that were like me. I used to feel like, well, I can do this because, like, this is like, this is just like a kid's life, like Beverly Cleary and Judy Bloom. They're writing books and they're talking about the feelings of the children. And I felt like this is so easy. But I never, I never really felt like that was the kind of writing I wanted to do as much as I enjoyed it. When I would write, I would write like feelings, like journals and things like that and what I was thinking and what I wanted and, you know, and what, how this happened. And then I would go back and reflect upon it and, and it would be like, oh, I can't believe I was thinking this then. And then this happened. And it kind of put my own thoughts and my own life in perspective because of always being able to have that outlet to write. So when I when I really became like when I just started the blog, it wasn't about teaching. Like I said, when I started the blog, it was about seven, maybe six or seven years ago that maybe six or seven <laughs> that I started to be um, active on social media. So before that, I mean, and I'm I'm going to be forty seven, like in a couple of weeks. So before that. Uh, I was never on any type of social media, even though Facebook and Twitter and all these things have been on for a while. I had like nothing to do with, with any of it. I didn't know how it worked. I was not interested. I mean, I was a mom. I had little kids. I was focused on them. I was focused on my classroom and I had no interest. But then at my school, I became the PTO president. And I was really, really involved with PTO Today, the organization with all of their resources. And I worked, I, I loved what they were doing. And then to reach out to the parents, I wanted to be on Twitter. For P- <laughs> So PTO Today would always be like, find us on Twitter. And then I had this big group of parents now. I mean, it was a lot of teachers and it was, we started, that's a whole other story, the PTO. But it was a new thing for our school, and I wanted to do it right and set up bylaws and really make it how it should be. So it led me to Twitter. 
And then actually it didn't leave me to Twitter. First it led me to, I had to get a phone, like an iPhone. <laughs> because before that I had like nothing. I wasn't, I just wasn't, I didn't find it to be useful, like to have any kind of a, a like an iPhone or I don't even know when they were invented, but I didn't have it. So I had Twitter and then somebody was showing me how Instagram worked. <laughs> and then that's all I needed. So I was on Instagram and it like, my first picture, it was, I was at my mom's house and she was grilling lobsters. I was like, oh, that looks so cool. And I took a picture of the lobsters on the grill. And that was my very first picture, like seven years ago. And then it was like my kids. And then it started to be like, well, if I'm going to post on here, I'm going to make it like, like meaningful, like to teach something, but not like teach, but I wanted like the picture to actually tell a story. I wasn't going to build an Instagram with just like random stuff. So I would put like, if I did a craft with my kids like that, and I would explain it and I would always put quotes like every day, a quote of the day. So it'd be usually like something about my kids, either in the classroom or at home, a quote or like something just like pretty, like in nature or something. And then I started to follow a lot of teachers on Instagram. So, uh, because I realized how it worked, like you follow people for, I didn't really understand. I was like connecting with people I knew and their pictures would come and I would like everything I see. And I think that's how it's supposed to work. And then I see there's like other people like out in the world <laughs> that you can connect with. So then I noticed with these teachers that they were taking pictures of their outfits. So like they would stand in a mirror and like take a picture. And I thought it was like so cool and I loved seeing the outfits. And so now for me, that's the other thing about me from when I was very little. I always wanted to work with kids and I always loved to dress up, like no matter what. Like I would be in my house, like as a little kid, I had to have a dress on and like little lace socks and patent leather shoes, like at, in my house, at the beach, like anywhere. I was just like that kind of a weird kid <laughs> and like reading books, right? So so that is just something that was like always true. So I was always dressed up no matter what I did. If I was in the house when I was, when I was younger and I had my daughter and I stayed home, I was dressed up. She was dressed up. I was dressed up. That's it. We sat a day. So the mirror, the pictures, the outfits, I was like, I'm going to try this. So I did it. And like, then I said to do it every day, teacher outfit of the day, outfit of the day, teacher look like all those hashtags. And then like companies started to contact me like very quickly and be like, oh, I love your account. Can I send you something um, like a dress or can I send you this? And, and I was like, sure you can. Thank you so much. And I remember like the very, very first time that that happened and how excited I was. I was getting a free dress in the mail and it never, I can't like through the years, it didn't, then it, little by little, it went from that to one independent company seeing me to like, I had packages every day. Like I had, I couldn't even like the mail. It was like, sometimes I would get some serious anxiety because I would get so many things in the mail. And for me, I, I want to do things right away. And I don't want to rush with things. I want to do things the right way, but I want to make sure it's done. And I don't want to like leave anybody disappointed. So if you're sending me like Daniel Wellington, I had a lot of collaborations with, if they're sending me a watch and they want it done a certain way shown in a blog post, I'm going to do it. And then you're sending me a lipstick and you're sending me a dress. Um, it was a lot because these packages would pile up, but I had all my everyday things to do. So, and so then it didn't get to be so much more fun, like just getting dressed up and taking a picture in the mirror. But luckily, <laughs> my dad's a photographer. So uh, one day, I don't even know how, because I was never asking him, because I wasn't even like telling people I was doing this like so much. <laughs> I wasn't just like, oh, I'm, on, I'm getting free stuff on Instagram. I kind of like, I'm not like that kind of a person. I kind of like do my thing and it just, ha it just, I'm busy. Like I'm not like talking about it, but people on Instagram know, like people, like, so probably people who followed me on Instagram knew a lot more than people in my like regular day-to-day -day life who are not on social media. So um, I didn't ever ask my dad about taking pictures. I was just taking them in the mirror. And then one day, I don't know what happened. Oh, I, I decided that I should be more like professional. Like it was starting to take off. There was a lot of collaborations. It was like so much more than just like, it wasn't, before I got to the point of all the packages coming in, let me back up. Before I got to that point, I had my dad doing my pictures. So I'm sure that was a big, a big like movement up for me <laughs> because some companies were fine. Like she said, because they want it to be natural. Like you're taking a picture and you're wearing this and you're showing that hat. But it was when one day I wanted, I, I, and actually it was my dad came over with his camera because he was going to let 
me borrow the camera so that my daughter could take pictures just so they could look better. I was like, they should just like look better, right? And also what I wanted to do was instead of taking them every day, I wanted to line everything up on Saturday, like all of the things that I had to show, the jewelry, the make, whatever it was, make sure that it was all in line for every day of the week. And then I wanted to wear it, take it off, put the other outfit on, and I wanted to get it done on the weekend. And then on the week, I would take the pictures and post them. So for that to happen, I needed my daughter's help and I needed to like go outside and do it. And it was when it was nice weather. So then my dad came over and he was showing my daughter how to do it. And he's like, I'll just do it. And then it became a thing. So for years, every Saturday, I would line everything up and my dad would come over and then I have the pictures for the week. So, and then some things I didn't need my dad for because some things I could do what's called a flat lay where you make um, like, you just make it look pretty on a board, something nice like a bottle of perfume, a watch, like something like that, like products, mm. things like that. Like um, I had a, a collaboration with a water called H2 Rose and they wanted a mix of like you holding the water and they wanted a mix of that and a flat lay of the water. You had to be like strategic, strategic, how you're showing people like how much you love this water. So I was able to do those on my own and I would get pretty flowers and make things look nice. So then um, it got to be too much. And then I, I just kind of stopped. Like little by little, I wasn't accepting more collaborations. And I just stopped because I was like, it's too much. And also because I was moving from teaching kindergarten to teaching second grade, which was something that I really wanted to do. And I wanted to focus all my energy. So when you're doing something for so long, and I taught kindergarten for 22 years, you kind of get, get into a routine. But with teaching, I don't think that's really a good thing because you should be growing and changing, you know, and just being better. And I kind of felt like when I had taught kindergarten for so long, the programs would come along and they would change and all of this. And it, it, I, I, want, I needed something even more. That I needed something more to, to grow. So when I decided that I was going to move to second grade, I didn't take any more collaborations for Instagram. I actually didn't even post on my Instagram for a while. It was just like there. And I focused on teaching. I became very involved with Donors Choose. And now I'm a National Donors Choose ambassador, which I love because I can, collect, I can, I can connect teachers with people who want to help um, so that they can have better opportunities, better things that can impact learning in classrooms around the country. So I get to meet a lot of teachers and I get to help them and they and we learn from each other through donors choose. So I got involved with that. I had to actually read I had to actually design a classroom because my principal said basically you don't even have a clock in that room. So if you're agreeing to take this second grade, this is it. Can you do it? And I'm like I can do it. And little by little I got a rug, I got a clock. I and at a STEM center and like books and science and social studies and just a maker space. There's everything you can imagine little by little with the help of many, many generous people from donors choose. And just also just because I felt like it was a good investment on my part to do this. So I wasn't doing any fashion blogging. I wasn't putting things on Instagram, but I focused my blog on what I was doing. So I started to blog a little bit again. And at first it was a couple of outfits and I was, but it wasn't about the fashion because see, I didn't have to show these clothes. So I would wear the outfit because I felt like as a fashion blogger, you're going to show. I'd be like, I did get this a few years ago. Look at how I'm styling it now. But then I would talk about other things like, like what you do like happiness, like what does that really mean to be truly happy? Like what does that mean? And how is that in your control, you know, and not anybody else? And just blog, you, blog posts like that. Do you know why you started thinking about that then? When did happiness become a big, or like something relevant to start talking about? And when did these start, things start clicking for you? Do you know why that started clicking for you? I when I wanted to blog again and start writing. Yeah. Like yeah, it seems I like you're just, going through a transition. I was going like, through a lot of different, mm -hmm. I think it's just because I needed, it was I needed to. I was going through a lot of different changes and emotions and just really reflecting on my life and how it was and maybe how I want it to be. So through writing and then just, it would, I would kind of get lost in the writing and it would kind of help me. And I kind of like, once I wrote it, I could feel better. And I also found that people responded to it well because it was so like real. You know, it was so even though I was showing like pretty clothes, I was talking to people and connecting, I was making connections. And then 
like right now, I kind of like, I, I've done many education posts. My last one was strictly like, like the, it was like, like the book. It was activities. It was lessons. It was how you're going to make distance learning meaningful without using tech, without using worksheets. Here are some things you can do. It was very straightforward. Like do this. This is an idea. And it was probably my best blog post in a long time because people needed ideas and it wasn't all just like, you know, my thoughts. So I love doing that too. But the thing about the blog, it's mommy teacher fashionista, just like the Instagram name. It can go any way. Like it can be like, you know, people just, okay, you can read it or you can not read it. Like last summer I had maybe three or more posts of things that I just had done with my son because we were really connected last summer. We were just, we found out like we were doing a lot of things, just me and him, we found ourselves with um, making a robot and, um, stuff like that and that ended up on the blog doing stem challenges and it ended up on my blog and so that's okay like those are mommy posts and then there might have been a fashion one in there and then um just you know in january i chose a word for the year like a one word like instead of a like a new year's resolution i chose a word which a, a lot of people do there's like actually a hashtag one word 365 and i chose the word grace so i wrote a blog post about about that and it was just because at that time I remember writing it and like I, it wasn't like I wanted to write it. I needed to write it. Like when I write, I feel like I, I need to write. Like I need to get that down and then it's done. And then I'm like, I just feel better. Mm, yeah, I can relate to that. But no, I like what you did there. Cause it's like you're the three things that you're passionate about, like teaching, being a mom, fashion, they're all encompassed in that one thing you do, which is quite cool. I think. But then I guess, at the start of the conversation, actually something struck me that I wanted to come back to. It was that, first of all, you said you could read at a very early age than most. And then you were actually writing quite a bit too. It seemed like you were processing your emotions through writing yeah. at a young age. Do you remember how young you were when you were doing that? I was very little. I was five. I was six. I was very, very little. I was maybe for early, early, early childhood, early. I remember being very young and mm -hmm. writing. Mm-hmm. And do you actually remember that time? Like, do you remember what that gave I, you, like that, that process back then? I do remember that I, I do remember that I can actually picture the paper and I can picture the words on the paper, like actual mm. words, like actual, you know. And my mom actually has saved some stuff that I have um, that I had written to her, like just about things that I was thinking, and you know. Yeah. This connects to because the large part of what you do is the social emotional intelligence and educate the heart. Like, yeah. when did that start coming into the creation process for you? When did you start speaking about that? And and what I'm really interested in, how would you actually implement that in the classroom with children, with uh, with your kids? Yeah. So I feel like always, always from when I was little, I was very aware of how other people felt, and I was, I wouldn't really I wasn't very comfortable when people were not like happy like and it would make me like nervous and, and like worried and I would always wonder like why like you know and it took me a long long time a long time to realize that when someone's like not nice to you and someone's doing something to you and you don't know what you didn't know that that it's really not about you that it's about them and it's about their internal something that's not right it took me a long time like to learn that maybe like I just learned it like but right so it took me a long time but I would always like not be comfortable with that with that other people like the the you know like my mom would say to me be nice to everyone be good have a good day at school be nice to everybody and all of that and like course like why would you not be nice to everybody it's just so natural I was always like the big smile and mm -hmm. you just want people to be happy right but you know through the years is getting to know people and getting to hear their stories you see that there's reasons there's reasons for that and you know there's a quote that uh, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men and it's true I mean so, so many times I've, I've been, you know, connected with people and there's stuff, there's stuff going on and, you know, you try to be the one to help and you try to be understanding and, 
you know, be like a good friend and like a good everything. And, but you can't just always just like snap everybody into like happiness. Mm. There's so much work that needs to be done within them. And, and if you backtrack, you can, if you think about people tell you their stories and you backtrack and think about what they've been through, you can totally, you can understand the way that they are. And then, but you can't really, it's so hard to like help, you know, mm. it's so, it's hard. I mean, I'm, you know, so with, with teaching, I feel like there's so much you can do. There's so much possibility there because you're catching them at such a young age and you can give them the tools for self-esteem. And I don't think it's like a new thing, like social emotional learning. You hear like SEL all the time. Like it's like there's some new made up thing. To me, I don't understand why like all of a sudden it's being called this name and why it's like so big because when I was in college and I did early childhood at Rhode Island College and I studied and I loved it so much and it was all about this. It was all about like feelings first, connecting, relationships, the whole child. I'm a very big fan of Montessori instruction and you're, you're, you're letting the children learn on their own and but there's a way it needs to be done there needs to be structures in place and you need to be rigorous about it and i'm not all that like just let them play with sand i'm not i am i'm like let them play with sand and guide them so that's going to be meaningful for them i'm like i'm like connecting it all and making it authentic learning for real yeah so now when i so and also okay so teaching kindergarten even more so it's about feelings and all day long you're not just like sitting there like okay kids sit down take out your book and let's learn the letter a like it's so much not like that it's like hi and you're like talking to them and you're the little people in front of you and you're constantly like like you're teaching a but you're you're working it in on like a story and an activity and oh wow like look at this cooking project we're going to do when you're making applesauce and you're talking about the texture of it and it's like you're help you're helping them to talk to each other you're helping them to think critically to me this has always been best practice okay so so educate the heart my book most people know it's based on aristotle's quote that um educating the mind without educating the heart is no education at all so this is Aristotle. This is like nothing new, like SDL curriculum. It's not. It's this is based on best practice, like real world. This is what children need. And in the book, these are not any. It's not like oh, this is new for SDL. These are things that make sense that you should be doing. You should be having children focus, and so that they can learn, so that they can create. Okay so that they can collaborate, use their critical thinking skills. This is what's important. They can be in tune with their emotions, okay? So, so for me, I've always felt I taught this way. Now, for me to go so much into it is because you just see time after time after time how lacking they, they are in these skills because of the way curriculum has been pushed on to so many, and they're telling you, Okay, so now we're going to do Reading Street, and you're going to read by the script, and you're going to teach your kindergarten kids the word, uh, and the, no, the word I and the word am on the first day of school, and then by week four, they're going to be like in set five, and they're going to know 20 sight words, and it's like, well, hold on, what are you even talking about? Have you seen kindergarten kids ever in your life? Now, not to mention in the population where I teach, it's, we're having some challenges come in when they come to you for the first time. These are like babies. Some of them never left their house. Some of them have not been talked to or asked a question of in their entire life. So guess what? You have to teach them how to respond to you. You have to teach them how to respond to each other. You have to teach them conflict resolution, four years old, five years old, because they have no idea what to do when something bothers them or when something makes them happy. So what do you do? So then there's, I mean, an you see things where teachers are like, this is how it's going to be, and these are my rules, and this and that, and I'm strict. Like, I am a strict teacher, but I'm strict about how we are, like how we are as a community. I'm not strict about, like, like this has to be done this amount of time, and I'm, I'm, it's like a different kind. It's like a tough love kind of strict. Like, I expect this from you, and you can do it because you're, like, the best class I've ever seen in my entire life, and you are the best children, and I've told that to every class because it always is true because they are, like, the best when they're in front of me, right? Like, I already, like, love them so much. But, like, 
you have that belief and you, you make them rise and they'll line up for you however you want them to because they're like, wow, like she knows, she thinks like we're so awesome. Like, let's be awesome. And I feel it's that. And like, it's like they don't want to disappoint me because I've already got this expectation. Like you're the best. That's it. I already know that you are, you can do this. I already know you're not going to be like doing that, that, and that because I've already, you've already proved to me that you can do this. That's mm -hmm. it. Like you can't change my mind. So they rise to the expectation. How do you help them with expectations? Because that's actually a big block for adults is hap in happiness and achieving happiness. It's like this expectation when reality doesn't meet the expectation. That's when we can sink into uh, difficult emotions to process again. When we're not aware of the expectation that we have, that's when we can run into difficulty as adults. Is there any way that you can help kids with that too, where they're trying to be the best possible, mm -hmm. but when they don't Absolutely. reach that expectation, which is natural from time to time, yeah. that they're not internalizing that as like, I'm not a good person or I'm not good enough and that type of thing. Yeah. I, we, I do, I do, that's a very, very important part of what I focus on with the children. So I focus a lot, my discipline is a, a growth mindset approach where it's always a process and we don't think about we can't do something, we think about we can't do it yet. We don't think about it's too hard, we think about we're going to work on it more, we're going to try a different way. We're, we're going to, we don't have to be perfect to be amazing. So you're praising the effort rather than the actual specific it's, outcome. Well, we, well, we learn, and I learn along with them, you know, honestly. Like, there's things that you feel like you just can't do, and then you feel like there's things that you should just, like, give up on. Mm -hmm. And I learn, too, as I teach the children that, you know, if you really want something to happen and you really feel like it's for the best and, you know, you, can, there's, you, can, you have the power and you have the control, you know, to make, do what you can. Now, not everything is going to be in your control, but when you do think about what actually is in your control and you do everything you can possible to make that happen, like it usually does. And if it doesn't, like you still know if there's things that are not in your control that prevent it, you still, you adjust and you change. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just, it's, it's, I always, always, always stress that it is a process. I don't, I teach about this is a fixed mindset. This is a growth mindset and it's actually a chart on the wall. And this is this, if you're thinking this, let's change our thinking. So this is not a one-time thing. I mean, I'm not just like, oh, we're going to have a growth mindset on the first day of school. No, it is actually an every day, all day long kind of thing that it might, it might sound rid ridiculous, but you know what? They need it every day, all day. So now mm -hmm. even during distance learning, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. We're saying our daily affirmations. Uh, I will have a great star. I will let good thoughts inside my heart. Like we say this, when you believe in yourself, great things happen. Um, they say, I am brave. I am loving. I am kind. But besides that, we talk about, well, what happens if something happens and then you can't think like that? Like you're not feeling like loving and kind. And so what if you're feeling like you have some anxiety? What if you're worried or anxious? scared, mm -hmm. nervous. How can you change that anxiety? So I teach them that that is in their control too. So they want to get that down to a calm spot. In the classroom, we have a calm corner, which is not necessarily for everybody, that physical space where they go to, to calm down. We're, we're, but yet it's a strategy, calm, there's strategies. So kids know when they have different feelings, there's things that they can do to self-regulate. Mm -hmm. For some children, for one little boy, he, he knew that if he put his card, I had little cards for them with their own goals and their own strategies that it was all personalized, one by one thing. He gave me his card or put it on his desk and it would show me what he was going to do. And he, most of the time he'd go into a little spot in the room and he had this little set of blocks and he would stack them and he would stack them again and he lined them up a different way and he would talk to them a little bit. And then he'd be like good and he'd go back and do whatever he was supposed to do, you know, but we talk about how we can take that anxiety and we can, in our own mind, whether it's a physical thing, like we say something where like from the tip of my fingers to the middle of my palm, I can do this. I can be calm like mm -hmm. that, like those things and the breathing exercises, things like that, or whether it's just for some children, like they might just 
draw a picture. They might listen to nice music. They might call their grandma, things like that. Now during distance learning, I've given everybody a wellness plan. I work with families, so every family has a wellness plan. So they have, at the beginning of um, our distance learning, they talked about things that, you know, this is hard, this is tough. It was hard for me. It's, it's tough for like everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So what can we do to help these kids? So I work with the families and we came up with for each child things that do help them to feel better. Call grandma, you know, for some, it was like a certain app on their iPad, which is fine. You know, like it's, the point is, is like, it's, it's a, something that is going to make them feel better when they can't, when they're overwhelmed with these big feelings. So then um, what the wellness plan is, is, is they come up with things that are going to be helpful. Then they think about situations that are going to, that stress them out. You know, maybe their brother's bothering them and the baby's crying so much and maybe they can't log on to Zoom and they don't have Wi-Fi. Maybe they're just sad because they can't find, they don't have their friends with them and they're so used to being at school every day. So much, so much, so much. Maybe they're worried because their mom's not working and maybe they just are just, they don't even know why, but they're just like sad. They're mad, right? So they choose from the things that they've already picked out that will help them to feel better. And even I even have families match them up, make a plan. Like, so when you start to feel this way and your sister's making so much noise and you can't concentrate and you can't sleep at night, okay, what can you do? And then we'll match up like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like match up the, the, the activities with the stressful thing. So then they know they can go to something rather than like shutting down, rather than a tantrum, rather than uh, something else that might be destructive. Yeah, so you're acknowledging the emotion and doing something productive and constructive with it. Like you're, like, as well as healthy because you're feeling the emotion too. You're acknowledging that there's bad emotions or there's difficult emotions to process too. Yeah, I like that. I do we think spend that's a lot of time. We, yep, we spend a lot of time talking about feelings, about what are feelings. What does it even mean to have a feeling? What does this feeling look like? How can you describe it? What are things that cause that feeling? So they need to understand first, like to identify the feeling, and then we can work on how can we address it? How do you have the power hmm. to uh, you, I found that you can discern like what you can control and what you can control a lot more clearer when you have that emotional awareness to it. Yes. I also even like the Cam Corner. Like when I was younger, it was like the bold boy corner. And it, even just that language and that assumption, it's like you're identifying with that being a part of who you are. I'm just a bold boy. Whereas with that cam corner, that's actually something that you want. You want calmness and centeredness. You're going to that corner to gain access to that because you just haven't been able to access that outside of that corner. Yep. And so a calm corner doesn't need to be a space. And I talked about it a little bit in the book and I expanded on it last summer when I was like a little bit doing a podcast just to get some, a little bit, some of my thoughts out. I did it for a very short time, but speaking about the calm corner and um, I actually worked with my district with the state to uh, use data to best, to best find the best way to use the calm corner in the classroom. It was like a big, so it would be really great if this was something that everybody did. I mean, there's teachers that are, and I don't want to be like this, but say this but like there's teachers who don't really believe in it and they use a very um program where if the child's doing something wrong their color is flipped child do something else wrong their color is flipped again like a color flipped from like from like green to i guess it's to yellow to orange to red and then if you go to red i'm going to call your mother and you're in trouble it's a very visual it's a visual thing that shows that children are making mistakes and doing things wrong and it's humiliating. So I, I would like for like that to not exist in the world. Mm -hmm. And I believe that every classroom should have, if it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a a set in the room. Like I love my calm corner of the room. It had like a nice furry rug and stuffed animals. And I just, I miss it. Like I miss, I miss it. I look at the pictures. I'm just like, Oh geez, like I got to go pack that up. Right. So, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing in like what I spoke about and in the podcast and which is very true. A calm corner doesn't have to be a physical spot, okay? All that means is you're going to a space, a space in your, you are getting into a space, right? And you are doing something that will help you feel better. So also I have some kids have shoe boxes and or like something in their desk, and like that's their calm corner. Like they'll take out something because everybody's different. Some that might be like those fidget balls. Some, I mean, you just never know. You have to like know the children. It could be like an iPod with certain kind of music that makes them relax. 
it, it could be like a, I know one person, I had my son's old, um, what do you call those, Etch-a-Sketch, and he just really liked using that and like, like cool. And then it changes. And then they want to do like deep breathing and they want to do yoga and I have a spot for them to do that. But then, you know, that's like the novelty wears off and, and, and it's not working for them because that was more of a fun thing. But I find that it, the children, the ones who need it the most will will find the things that really work for them and they will go to them and they will they will kind of like reach out they will make it work and then others who maybe they don't need it a lot like they're not like frequent visitors they're like they're they're cool like they're good you know what i mean like they they can kind of do it without you seeing what they're doing they have that kind of inner inner talk mm. um what am i saying so, <laughs> what am i saying so you find that it doesn't because some people think like a calm corner like, well, I can never do that in my room because the kids would be all day getting up and going there. But it's not. Because don't forget, you are teaching. You are running a program here. You are teaching whatever you're teaching. You have lessons going on. You're interacting. You've got, like, the STEM center happening. You're doing a, a, um, a makerspace project. You're learning about this. You're learning about that. You're reading books. The kids, you're doing guided reading. Whatever you're doing. Now, first of all, like, your job is to make them so engaged and so, like, be, challenge them and engage them. They're happy to be there, which I, this is what I miss so much about being at school. Everyone comes in. They're happy. They're smiling. They're happy to see you. They're happy to be there. They're not going to run off and go to the calm corner unless they really need it. Like, maybe at the beginning, some might be like, hmm, I'm going to try this out and go play. They won't. They don't want to miss what you're doing. All right? They, they just, they will not. There's days that have gone by. No one visited the calm corner. No one did anything. We're just busy. We're working. You know, then other days it's been like, oh, like people need help. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's Forgive all in, it's like, it's, it's all, it's like what I'm saying too about growth mindset. These are not one-time things. These are things that you, like you do all the time. Like you do it all day, every day. You're talking to the children nicely in a nice tone of voice. You're making sure that they know you love them. You're setting the expectation. You're not like, like you're giving them a break. Like you're, you're not stressing them out. And to me, when you can do that and you can provide experiences for them to collaborate, to use their own critical thinking and teaching them what critical thinking is, let them be creative. They're going to learn. They're going to really, really, really learn. And, um, that is what social emotional learning is. That is what the book is. It's mm -hmm. all activities that, and it's broken down into 12 chapters and each chapter has 15, but they're very adaptable so they can be used for any grade. But the point is, is that you're giving them these opportunities. You're setting the stage for the collaboration to happen in meaningful ways. And no matter what you are teaching, it can be done. And so that is keeping them regulated and happy and feeling loved. And then the calm corner techniques, the self-regulation is like there. If they need it, you never know what could happen. So social emotional learning is not separate. It's just, it's, it should be just teaching. It should just be like, this is how it is. Yeah. It's background. Yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like the repetition, from repetition, you internalize it. It's not actually about knowing these concepts. It's about actually living these concepts, like living. living yeah, you can't just like say, oh, well, we're doing this social emotional activity mm. and we're, you know, or I did this with my class and I taught my class about kindness with that kindness book and we did this. It's not, that's not what it is. Yeah. It's like, it's how you, how you say good morning, boys and girls, how you talk to their parents, how you call their houses when you feel like, mm, I need to give them a phone call, how you are respectful of their culture and their beliefs, and you don't try and impose your own culture and beliefs on them. Like, you don't. You, you, you take time to listen to see where they're coming from and what they need from you as an educator, and you work with them. That's social-emotional learning. It's not an activity about kindness, and then you put the book away, and then you go on to the next subject, and then everyone's like, you know, screaming yeah. at kids about way the, the way they're walking down the hole. I mean, that's not it. Even with beliefs, too, I do feel like kids need to have the space and stuff. Or as we develop, we need to have the space to formulate our own beliefs because, like, otherwise it becomes very dogmatic and you don't know what you believe and it's, you become just a mouthpiece for belief systems that you don't really understand and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think at an early age, when you can get that 
ingrained in children, just that curiosity and that willingness to listen to other people. Like when you feel like you've got the space to talk things out and formulate your own ideas and educate yourself, you'll also be more respectful of other people wanting to do the same thing for themselves as an individual. So I think these types of things you're teaching there are creating an environment for that to, to flourish. That's what I feel in there, which is good. Yeah, so that is, that is the goal. That, that is like what gets me up every day and like excited. Yeah, exactly. Children. That. And that's, that's exactly what I try to do. And that is what I try to encourage other people to do. So, I mean, I thought in my career, maybe do I want to be a principal? Do I want to be something, an administrator in that role so I can impact more? But I really don't. I really feel like I, I'm very, very, um, I don't even want to say comfortable because I'm always growing and changing as this role too. And it's not like a comfort where you just like are hanging out. I don't even want to stay comfortable. Because I think a lot of people think comfortable means like you're just comfortable in your job and you're not continuing to grow. But it's a very um, important part of mm-hmm. my life to like have this group of children to see and have this classroom. And I don't, I don't want to give that up. And I don't think I would enjoy telling other people how to do their classroom in a way where I was like there telling them, where I was like their boss. But with the book, and with the blog and with the things I do, like our Facebook group, Educate the Heart Collective, it is doing that, but yet I still have my kids. And also, how could I really be like updating, like when I write my next book and when I do my blog and when I'm talking to people, how could I really learn and grow without, without having the kids to, do, to learn and grow with? Yeah. Right? Evidence, I, feel like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like when you're away from it, you lose a lot. I feel like... I, when you're there, like the energy is there. Like I wrote my book during teaching. I wrote it from November 11th until the end of February teaching. It wasn't the summer. And people said, why would you not think of this in the summer? I'm like, well, I didn't even think of it. I actually thought of it November 11th, had the contract but from Roman and Littlefields around Christmas time, but I had been writing before and, and then I finished it, all that. But I didn't think of it. And I was busy preparing. But then once I was preparing, I was, it was so much in my mind, the right mm-hmm. way to do things and things that were working. And people would come into my classroom and be like, how are you doing this? Like, everyone's happy. They're working. They're quiet. But they're not too quiet. Like, how, like, how is this happening? Like, how much time are you spending on this? And it's, it's just a matter of, um, it's not even about how much time you're spending. on it. It's like the way you are, like, as a person. So, I was like, I think I, I have something to share. So I started, so I got the idea of the book. But the point is, is like, while I was teaching, it gave me like the energy and put me in the right, the right mindset to do each chapter. Yeah. I felt it was important. Like I would wake up in the morning before school and write, and I would be thinking about the kids from the day after, and I would be writing at night. And um, it was just, I was writing a lot and I was teaching during the day and it was so much, but it was a good, it was good. It was good for me at that time. Okay. Like, uh, from my impression from speaking to you, your experiences form the content you create. And if you didn't have the experiences, you wouldn't be able to create the content and it wouldn't be relevant to today. Uh, that would be the other message. Yeah, right. And the, in the book that I wrote then, I wouldn't write that book again because now I've learned so much from then. And yeah. now when I, it's, it's different. Like I, I get different. I'm learning more. Which brings me to the next stage because right now you're going through a process that wasn't happening last year. With the COVID, you're doing no distance learning. So what have you learned so far in the opportunities that technology presents when we work in tandem with it? Because before you felt, kind of felt like you were more of a Luddite. You didn't really want technology. Yeah. But what opportunities yes. are you seeing yeah. now? Oh, well, I am, I, I am so glad that I actually uh, uh, kind of like uh, <laughs> did like a whole 360 and I said, okay, I am not screen-free anymore because I just can't be because if I was screen-free, I cannot see my children. So I, I quickly learned first when we found out on March 13th that it was going to be our last day of school. We thought it was going to be for a couple of weeks. And I didn't even know until 2 o'clock on March 13th at 2 o'clock, I saw it on Facebook. Like I seriously saw on Facebook that Providence schools were closed for vacation for the next week. And then after that, we were going to get ready, ready for distance learning. It was like, oh, well, it's a good thing I have all of these. I had just gone, <laughs> I had just gone to uh, 
the mall in my neighborhood, right? And they were doing a book giveaway for like a Dr. Seuss event. And of course I was like, my son, he picked out a chapter book and my daughter was like, I can't believe you're doing this and like pretending she didn't know me. And I was like, oh, I'm a teacher and I love these books. And the lady was like, you're a teacher. I'm like, yes. And uh, she gave me like boxes of books. It was old curriculums, like re with, with books full of stories. And I was like, I was at the mall and I'm just like, how is this happening? I was actually there to shop a little bit. And like my kids wanted lunch and I'm just like, yeah, I would love to have those books. And they gave me boxes of beautiful anthologies of grade two stories and questions and all that. And I didn't even know, I had any idea what I was going to do with them. But you know what? When that happened, I was like, they're going home. And then I was quickly like, um, just like brainstorming what, and we didn't know they were going to have devices. So I was trying to think about how we're going to communicate. What are we going to do? I don't know. And I just was, they all got books, at least three of them. They got other like um, paper, like they just, a lot of, of math stuff that I had had that I was going to use, I sent as much as I could, but it was two o'clock on Friday. So like, I'm not like, you know. Like, I'm not, and there's no magic about me, so I couldn't do more than that. But I was thankful that I had said yes to those books that day at the mall, and I had them, and I was like, we have stuff a little bit. And it was cute because then that next week when we were supposed to be on vacation, I immediately started a Facebook group, private group for my parents, and a lot of the parents were so thankful for those books. They were sending pictures of the kids reading the books, and it was kind of like, it was like, okay, that's cool. You know, and then the other activities that they were doing with like dice and stuff I could see. It's like, okay, for math, it was, it was nice. Then I found out one week later on maybe March 19th that my kids needed to take their Chromebooks home. I was like, my, their, Chrome, their Chromebooks are like locked in a Chromebook cart. We use them for star testing. They use them sometimes on Lexier and Dreambox. Like, really? <laughs> I was never like, I, I would give them to them as a choice, but they would never choose it because I'm always all about like, go to the Lego Center and make a story about you know, make a Lego structure and then make a story about it. And we had a puppet theater and we did um, readers theater. So anyway, so like, okay, so they're getting their Chromebooks and like, I'm like, geez. So, and they're like, everybody has to have a Google classroom. I'm like, so I had, I had a moment there where I was just like, I can no longer do this job. I am done. Then I had another moment shortly after, and I'm like researching Google Classroom. I had a Google Classroom set up. I'm calling parents, get your Chromebooks, uh, make sure they give you the charger. Do you need headphones? And this is what's going to happen. Listen, just log on, and I'll tell you what to do. And I'm like Googling things, and I'm telling them that I'm having other parents tell parents because they know more than me, and it happened. It happened. Google Classroom happened. Zoom's happening. It's all happening. It's happening like the best I can. Like, I'm not like, now. I'm not all of a sudden like a tech expert. Like I kind of had to, after a while, be like, okay, I don't want to learn a new thing right now. Let me have the Google Classroom going. Stop throwing like <laughs> more things to that, you know? Okay. Like okay. I don't really care right now because it's all happening. I'm seeing them. We're doing stuff. I, it's good. I kind of, I'm good. That's, well, that's the explain there. It's a growth mindset, the emotional intelligence, and then just the critical thinking. Like what's essential here? What's not essential? What isn't essential? We don't need right now. We can learn it yeah. moving forward. Yeah, like I, I, yeah, like I know that there's now there's teachers who have already done Google Classroom their whole life, and now their Google Classrooms look like crazy. Like they got their Bitmoji character, and it's all like fancy. My classroom is not. You know, my Google Classroom has my bulletin board that was outside my door. That is our back. The same thing that's in the um, the Facebook classroom. That was our classroom. This is it. I don't try and make things fancy. I'm not like, you know, some teachers, they're making themselves and they're mailing them to the kids and oh, like, like a, like a um, flat Stanley kind of a thing. And I think that's great. And I have nothing against that, but like, I'm not, I'm more focused on, am I going to talk to everybody every day? How is everybody doing? Like, this is what I'm doing. I'm not cutting and laminating things to send home. I'm talking to you on the phone. I'm seeing how you are. I'm, I'm working on the lessons and I'm looking at the data because they're reading online and we're getting results from that. And I'm mostly just talking to parents because parents are needing to talk to people. And I am more than happy to talk because I like, to, I need to feel, talk to people too. Like I, you know, like you want to feel like connected. Like I love it. It was the best part of distance learning is really getting to know these parents. I get parents, they text me like today is Sunday, right? Like, so I know there's parents that will be contacting me or and if not, I will because they don't do a lot on the week because they work so much during the week. So I'm here for them and I'm happy to be here for them. And I don't say it like, oh, I got to do this. And I don't say it to brag about it. Yeah. It's just like, you have to like rethink like what your job is right now. 
if you are an educator, because it's not nine to three. For some people, it's never nine to three, but it's definitely not nine to three now, no matter what hours you're supposed to be online. So like you got this group of kids, you're all displaced all over, they're in their houses, you're in your house, like your mind has to be on how are they and how can I connect with them? And that's all that matters, like nothing fancy or not that there's anything wrong with any of that, I think it's great. Mm. But, but like you said, like what the things that really matter are that you call them and that you have, you're making sure you're challenging them, you're you're, you know, you're, you're celebrating the things that they're doing. A little girl was, you know, showing me the pictures she planted with her grandma. I'm like, you're celebrating that. Or like yesterday, that same grandma sent me pictures on Facebook that uh, Essence had made a little, um, like a sweeper, like a mechanical sweeper out of some, a battery and some crafts that looked like some kind of an animal. And it was like sweeping stuff. So cute. And she's like, you know, and that's what I encourage. Like, using your imagination, making a plan. How can you make this plan work? How can you make it better? And, and you can do that. And these kids are so programmed. I don't even want to say it that way, but they're so, um, I give them that freedom to use their mind. Mm -hmm. So it's a pleasure to see them doing it when you're not there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The program there, it's funny you say that. Like it's, um, I found as an adult, a large part of my process has been unlearning to relearn. So a lot of bad habits came up because I wasn't aware of this stuff growing up, like the actual making it visible to me. Like it was only when I was like 22, 23 that I learned about fixed mindset, growth mindset. Before that, I thought it was just like, I assumed that these thoughts were just part of who I am. And I had a lot of negative thoughts that weren't really helpful. So yeah, no, I, I, I like hearing the actual, how you went about implementing this, making it real world and practical. So that's good. I think my final question for you is how, like what advice, what piece of advice would you have for a teacher? Seems for me like it's a vocation to you. Like how would somebody go about following their different interests around teaching as well? Cause you've done that with the writing and the fashion and even your wanting to be a mom. You have any advice for somebody who wants to not have a sense that they're letting something behind them? I th my advice would be that to not be concerned with how the rest of the world looks at what you're doing and what you have to share. If you feel like what you're doing is working as an educator, if you feel like it's right for the children in front of you and you want to share it, like not to be caught up on what people will think. Be more caught up on what do you truly believe is the best way, is what, you've, what you believe is really making a difference. And, and so if you want to be a writer, if you want to write, if whatever, however way you want to expand and express yourself, do you mean like a teacher wanting to do more with their teaching like that, like to write a book or a blog or a podcast or something, I would say just do it. Like if you feel confident, like you have something to offer because what you do, you think is something people will benefit from, or you you then do it and then you not just I just feel like don't get caught up on audience you know um I, I never did and it's funny because <laughs> I never did with the blog I never really worried about like are people gonna like it or not like it because I was just so caught up on like I I wanted to get my thoughts down and then for sometimes like one summer when I was getting so many things and so many collaborations, I was doing four blog posts a week and it was a lot. And, and I never was one to like overthink it and overanalyze it. Cause I would, that's it. Like I thought that and it's done. And even if people didn't like it, like it's, it's still what I thought. So uh, like, I'm sorry, but you don't have to, the thing is people don't have to like it. If you did it, you're proud of it. Your name is on it. Good. Can you do like a hundred times better? like years later, like, yes, and I hope I have, <laughs> then great. But for me, it's, it's more for me for a growth process than it is for like, do people like it? Like, it doesn't matter if people like it, I guess. Just so don't be caught up on other people's opinions. If you're going to put <laughs> something into the world, just do it, put it out there and then whatever. If it's really from you, then that's what counts. Yeah, you're authentic really about it. You know, like, don't just try and like, be like, oh, I think people will like this. So I'm going to write a certain way or do a certain thing or teach a certain way. Cause, cause what, what does it matter? Like, what are you doing? Who are you trying to please? You have a job to do, right? That's a good question. Yeah. 
I like that. Thanks, Jennifer. Um, where would these guys Where would these guys find you online if they want to find out more what you're doing in your book as well? Did you what did you ask me how they could find me? Yeah, where's the best place to, to find your content? So I am uh, so our Facebook group is our private group is Educate the Heart Collective. And I am also I'm Jennifer Lee Quadrucci on Facebook. On Twitter, I'm at Jen Quadrucci. My blog is mommyteacherfashionista.com. My Instagram is mommyteacherfashionista. Um, my book is Educate the Heart. Screen free activities to um, what is it? It's screen free activities for grades pre K to six to inspire authentic learning. It's everywhere that books are sold. It's like literally, it's everywhere and it's around the world. And it's at, at libraries. It's it's just everywhere. Um, I guess if you go to my blog, there's like all those little like things you can click on, like Facebook, Twitter, all that. So maybe if you go to the blog, you connect. But um, I I really feel like I'm easy to find. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I'll put the link to your website and uh, show notes as well if somebody wants to click on it. Okay, Thank so you. thanks uh, again, Jennifer, for sharing your thoughts. It was interesting seeing how you were applying all this stuff in the education system. Really, it's great to like talk to somebody who's passionate about education. So, yeah, thanks for taking your time today. Thank you so much, Dennis. I really appreciate all your time. Thank you. So until next time, have fun and enjoy the process. <laughs>